As we prepare to hear the Holy Scriptures, let us together pray for illumination with the prayer found in your order of service. Almighty God, you have given us your word for a light to shine upon our path. Grant us as we meditate on that word and follow its teaching that we might find in it the light that shines more and more until the perfect day. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Our Old Testament this evening comes from the book of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who have lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nations, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden, in the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the trampling warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. May God bless the reading of the word. Well, after four weeks of Advent, of waiting, of preparing, of anticipating, we have finally made it to Christmas Eve. We have lit the Christ candle, and we are now celebrating the birth of Christ, which brings light into the world. You know, throughout Advent and the Christmas season, we have been bringing in light slowly to symbolize this light. First, we started with our beautiful chrismon tree, these twinkly lights that we all love this time of year. And then each week, we have lit a new candle symbolizing the gifts that Christ's birth has brought down to earth. We started with hope, peace, joy, love, and today, again, the Alexander and Adkins family lit the Christ candle. I love candles at all times of the year, but especially this time of year, when I think about how at the end of the service today, we're all going to hold up our candles and sing Silent Night. It fills me with nostalgia and warmth and comfort thinking of Christmas Eve's past. And I also think there is something about these twinkly lights, the lights here in the sanctuary, but also the lights that people put up on their houses this time of year. There's a reason we're drawn to go and look at these houses, that we go to Bellingrath Gardens. There's something about the way that light illumines the darkness that captures our imagination. This interplay between dark and light has been happening since the very beginning of time. If we open our Bibles to the very first page in Genesis chapter 1, it says that darkness covered the face of the deep until God said... Let there be light. And there was light. And from that moment forward, there was light in the darkness. Because even in the darkness of night, God created a moon and stars so that we're never truly in the darkness. It's funny timing there with those lights. <laughs> Spooky. 
In John's gospel, we see Jesus, who has come to be the light of the world, say that I am the light of the world. Those who walk in darkness, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In Jesus, we see that the one who created life and light has become life and light to show us how to be. And then, if we flip all the way to the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, we read this. One day there will be no more night. They will need no lamp of the light or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. Throughout history, throughout our Bible, God has been shattering darkness with divine light. But even still, there may be moments or seasons in our life where the light seems more dim, and we may need reminders of the perpetual presence of that light. In the passage that we read just moments ago from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was prophesying to a tired and exhausted, defeated group of Israelites. They were living in conflict under the shadow of the Assyrian Empire, a nation, its leaders, its people, and its armies they knew what it was to live in darkness. There was a desperation for something, for someone to come along and save them from what they imagined was an impending doom. This prophecy, even though when we hear it, we can't help but hear Jesus in the words, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, this was in the 8th century, long before Jesus came along. But yet it was a promise given to these Israelites while they waited in the darkness. With all of the language in the context of war, the Israelites would have expected that their rescue would come in the form of military might, with the strength of soldiers in battle. But we see in verse 6 that the one who will come to bring victory, who will bring relief, who will bring light, is a child. This seems quite odd. Children do not belong anywhere near war or battle. The darkness is supposed to be lifted by a glimmering army, they would have thought. And yet, we see that the darkness was lifted not by the destruction of light or life, but by the creation of light and life. This magnificent vision that Isaiah cast probably seemed more like a fantasy than a promise. They were people longing for peace, hope, joy, and love. But how could it be true? Amid the chaos and destruction they were currently experiencing, Isaiah and the Israelites are given this word of hope to hold on to, that although their world was shadowed and dimmed, one day light would burst forth. So, why do we include this prophecy on Christmas Eve? Why is this something that we read every year? Sure, we could stick to the Gospels where we see that this has been fulfilled. After all, we're not living in the same war-torn land that Isaiah spoke to. We're not living as those under the shadow of another nation. But certainly, we are still a world that knows that darkness exists. We know what it is to feel pain, to go through something really hard. Perhaps you have been sitting in a place of darkness. We read Isaiah's prophecy because it reminds us that God has been bringing light into darkness long before our time 
and will continue all the days of our lives and forevermore. Throughout Advent, we have these twinkling lights and these candles as a reminder that the light of God is here. God has fulfilled the promise made to Isaiah and sent Jesus to be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The very presence of God, the light of the world, came down to save us in the form of a baby. What an unexpected and unusual way to save the world. So today, let us celebrate a God who meets us where we are. Just like God met the Israelites where they were, walking in dismal darkness and promised a great light, God meets us today where we are, with signs of hope pointing to one day when God will dispel all darkness. Those signs, these twinkling lights and candles, they look a lot like Christmas. It is good to be here this evening and to celebrate Christmas together as a family of God, as a church. We do this every year. As Kristen said, we light candles and it takes us back year after year after year. But maybe we need to embrace this one night for what it is. It's a reminder of what God has done, is doing, and will do for the world. To bring his people back to himself. We read... Isaiah, and in the prophet Isaiah, the people of Judah were in a bad spot. They were a vassal state of the Assyrian Empire. Their neighbors, Aram and the kingdom of Israel, wanted to create a coalition to go against Assyria, to fight Assyria, to stand up to Assyria. And the king of Judah said, This is not the time. We need to wait. And so Israel and Aram rise up against Judah, who's already suffering under the oppression of Assyria. Now their immediate neighbors are rising up against them. This was a dark and dangerous time for the people of Judah. It looked dark. It looked dangerous and deadly. And all they could see in their future was destruction. And Isaiah steps out of the shadows into the light and says, do not be afraid. This is not the time. You will not be destroyed. Have faith in God. God will rise up against your enemies. God comes to Judah at a very dark and dangerous time, in a very dark and dangerous place. God does the same thing again to a young couple, Mary and Joseph, who were betrothed. They were engaged. We know the story. Mary, a young girl, is engaged to Joseph. And an angel comes to her and announces she's going to give birth to a child which is an impossibility 
for this young girl who is yet to know her betrothed, her husband. But God tells us nothing is impossible with God. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. That this will be God's son. This will be God's self. Mary, you're going to bear the Son of God. You're going to bear the divine. Now imagine, if you can, I tried and I failed miserably, to put yourself in the shoes of Mary and Joseph. They are citizens of Galilee. They are under the Roman Empire, under Roman oppression. And Luke wants us to know exactly that this is a precise, a particular time and place and people. So he gives us names like Quirinius, Caesar Augustus. And he lets us know that this is that this registration, this is a census, this is the empire's way of saying, how much do we have? How many people are in this empire? How much wealth do, does, this, does this people have that we can tax? What are the resources of this empire? And how can we raise up more military strength? More money for the emperor? For building campaigns? The registration offered nothing good for the people of the empire. It only offered good for the emperor and those who were ruling the ruling class. Mary and Joseph understood that. This weighed on them. They were a young couple just getting started, making their way. And here Mary is pregnant, expecting their first child, and now they have to walk all the way down to Bethlehem to register, to let the emperor know how much they have, who they are, how many are in the household, what they can contribute to the effort of the emperor. And while they're there in Bethlehem, Mary gives birth. Now, I don't, I don't know what they talked about when they traveled. They walked the road to Bethlehem. I have, we have no idea. We can imagine. We can, we can imagine what a young family may think, what, what these expecting parents may have thought. They may have thought, well, I, wonder, I wonder what our child's going to look like. I wonder... Whose side he's going to, is he going to be smart after my side or is he going to be, well, after your side? Is he going to be talented like my side or not so talented like your side? Surely he'll be talented and smart and good looking and, 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 and he's, he's going to be perfect. He has to be perfect. He's ours. Oh, and, and, and what if he can, what if he can be, grow and, and mature and, and become the man that well, that he was created to be, that he was born to be. And what if, what if Rome wasn't in the way? What if this empire and this taxes and all that it means to us and this weight, what if that wasn't a hurdle? What if that wasn't there? But it is. See, Mary and Joseph lived in a particular time and place, and it was a dark and dangerous time and place. 
Not to mention giving birth in the first century has its own set of risk factors. I imagine they were afraid. I would imagine they were terrified because they just didn't know. They didn't know what the empire wanted of them. They didn't know what would happen when this child comes into their life. They didn't know. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe they planned. Don't we make plans? I made plans. I had plans when our firstborn was, was, on, was on her way. We didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. We were going to be surprised. And we were surprised in more ways I could have ever imagined. I tried to get out of going to the, the delivery room. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to go in there. I was afraid. And to show how naive I was, I thought there would be a sheet. So that would be it by, by Leanne's head, and I could, be, I could be the good husband, and I could coax her and, and encourage her and coach her and help her breathe and, and do all those good. And, and I asked the nurse, I said, where's the sheet? And he said, honey, you watch too much TV. There's no sheet. I thought I was going to pass out. And when Ellie was born, that's when the mystery really begins to unravel. Because then I have to take this creature home. And I had no idea what to do with a newborn child. We had tried to get the, the, the nursery ready. We, we, had everything, we thought we had everything that we needed. But there's always something. Always. You forget something. Bottle liners, you know, I, I don't, diaper, genie, bags. I mean, there's any number of things that we think we needed and we thought we would have and we didn't remember. But we had things like a changing table and a, and a crib and a baby bed and a cradle. And, and what if Joseph, what if Joseph, as he's walking to Bethlehem, and he's thinking back that he is, he's made, he's fashioned, he's a carpenter, and he's made a, a, a baby bed. And maybe he's, he's made a high chair. And maybe he's even made a diaper genie for Mary and, and this little baby. I, we, I don't know. But maybe he has these surprises waiting for Mary when they come back. And their little corner of their house would be the nursery. But I imagine as they were walking to Bethlehem and they were looking forward to the birth of their child. They were afraid. Genuinely afraid. And God shows up in our darkness, in our dangerous world. And he gives us incredible, bright, shining light to hold, to hold near, to care for, to love and to cherish. This light, this divine light from God came in the form of a newborn baby that had to be held, had to be wrapped in swaddling clothes for warmth, and it was held close to Mary's chest and we can imagine that she smiled and she cried tears of joy and we can imagine Joseph 
that he was a proud papa that night. But they really didn't understand what had just happened. She had given birth to the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God. The church calls her Theotokos. We call Mary Theotokos. Theo for God and Tokos for bearer. She's God bearer. She has held and carried God within herself. And has given God to the world. There's no way she could understand that. There's no way that when she was giving birth to Jesus, that she could remember that angel telling her, Don't be afraid, Mary. It's going to be okay. No. She was afraid. But she said yes anyway. And she held that child near. And she loved that child. And God gives that child to the world. In some way, we're all called to carry God into the world. Some mysterious way, we're called to bring the light of God, to reflect that that light to the world around us, to be that city on a hill, a lamp on a lampstand, so that all can see the light of God. And what that light does, our faith declares... is that on this night, on Christmas night, a boy was born. Emmanuel, God with us, was welcomed into the world. The Messiah, the Son of God, the expected and long-awaited Emmanuel has arrived. The Savior has been born. The Savior of the world has come into the world and it looks like a newborn child. On that night, on this night, the light of God came into the world in an unexpected way, vulnerable and gentle, so that we could begin to see the darkness that we live in, the darkness of this world that looks like injustice Deceit, violence, power, oppression, sin, and death. And because of this light, not only do we see the darkness, but we see the divine light that is justice, that is righteousness, forgiveness, hope, peace, joy, love, and life. The light of God has come in such a way that demands our attention, that demands our care, that demands a relationship that we hold God within us and bear God for the world so the world will know what the darkness really is and can see the light that is Jesus, that is vulnerable and gentle, but is our Savior is the light of the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.